1: Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I am really happy to announce that I've got a I would say highly anticipated second visit from a guest who I had on the show all the way back in January of this year. And due to her uh, efforts to uh, forward what she's doing to get important information uh, out in the world, uh, we've taken a bit of time to get back together. But uh, this is a show that lots of you have requested that we do and we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about uh, women's health specifically as it uh, applies to the monthly cycle. Uh, What happens with your period, uh, what can essentially go wrong uh, versus, and and of course, things that we can do, solutions that we have to help with that. We also will uh, finish up our conversation that we did did all the way back on episode 289, where we talked about birth control and what I would like to call the dirty little secrets of birth control that most women who are uh, prescribed it do not know when they accept that prescription and fill that prescription. We'll talk about uh, some of the Potholes that people run into with that. And, um, and very briefly, but if you want to hear that whole conversation, you'll want to jump back to 289, and I would highly suggest that you listen to both of these episodes because they pair uh, very nicely together. So if you have questions, of course, about what you hear on Vitality Radio, uh, I'd love for you to give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful you can also hit us up online at vitalitynutrition.com. And of course, uh, you're free to post messages and send me DMs on Instagram at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. Uh, and we'd love to uh, talk with you there. We continue to try to find new ways to roll out additional information for you, uh, whether it be uh, reels on Instagram or little stories. We're going to start doing some infographics that I think will be very helpful as well. So we're working towards getting as much information as we can out to you. And as part of that, I'm collaborating with some really amazing people like my next guest. Her name is Lauren Sophia. She is also known as Innate Fertility on Instagram. Is it innate? Sorry, innate um, underscore? Yes. Do I have that right? Okay. Lauren, welcome back to Vitality Radio.
2: Thanks so much for having me back, Jared. It's really a pleasure.
1: Well, of course, we just recorded a week ago uh, for me to be on your uh, podcast, which will air sometime around the same time I think as this one is. Uh, So if uh, you want to hear me talk about probiotics on uh, uh, Lauren's uh, podcast, you certainly can do that as well. We'll link to uh, that show and her podcast, as well as a course that we'll talk about that she offers and a bunch of other information for you in the show description. So if you're interested in more, and I think you will be, you can check those out. But let's go ahead and get down to it. Let, if, for those of you who didn't hear episode 289, or it's not fresh in your mind, because it was almost uh, nine months ago now, uh, let's... Uh, get into that a little bit lauren tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up deciding that you needed to get more information about fertility and women's hormone issues out into the uh, public mindset
2: absolutely thanks for asking and giving me the opportunity so i'll try to keep it and give you the short version (laughs) uh but basically my journey to where i got today or where i ended up today began uh, with my experience with the birth control pill, actually. Uh, so what we've been talking about in the previous podcast episode and this one, which we'll cover as well, uh, it, it actually is very relevant. And I have personal experience directly with the uh, birth control pill and just how it didn't go well for me. Uh, you know, I developed a lot of different metabolic issues while on the birth control pill and really was only offered the birth control pill or other hormone altering medications when I came off of it and was also experienced post-birth control syndrome. Uh, So I knew that I had to take my health into my own hands after a, a certain amount of time, you know, just trying to advocate for myself, but not really getting anywhere and still suffering. And I healed myself and knew that I wanted to help others do the same. And so that's really where it all started. And from there, you know, my passion for fertility has only continue to blossom. I've been helping my clients regulate their hormone issues and reproductive issues like PCOS and endometriosis, but also get pregnant and have healthy pregnancies. And, you know, just feel really empowered going into motherhood and making that transition, whether it's your first time or your second or third time, but just really empowering you to have a healthy and really powerful experience Uh, And one that you're not so scared or experiencing tons of stress or tons of pregnancy complications and, you know, feeling like you can't keep up with your kids postpartum because you're just so darn depleted. So um, it's been my honor to help hundreds and hundreds of women do this and make this transition. And I only hope to continue helping more women do the same.
1: Well, you know, you bring up a couple of things that I think are really important and potentially very, very empowering if people are are listening here. One is that, uh, you you know, you said whether it's your first pregnancy or your second or third or fourth or whatever, um, there are a lot of women out there. I talk to them all the time, and I know you do as well, who've had a real struggle with previous pregnancies. Um, For, you know, a variety of different potential issues that can occur with a pregnancy, obviously. Uh, And so we won't go into the, the details of that. But it's there is a lot of fear that comes with another pregnancy that might go as horribly, uncomfortably as the last one and have a similar result and, you know, these types of things. And yet I believe, and I know you do, that you can rectify those things and you can have an amazing pregnancy after having one that maybe wasn't so great uh, the first time. And from my own personal seat as a father uh, watching this process, I have witnessed, well, my youngest is almost 11. He'll be 11 around the time this episode airs. And it was the best pregnancy, best delivery, best everything that we've ever had. Um, And for those of you who know my story, I've had two wives and had children with two different wives. And I can say that that particular one was the very, very best. And I can also tell you why it was the very, very best. And that is because we became way more knowledgeable about how to do pregnancy uh, with that last one compared to how we had ever done it before. And so the empowering side of this is that Because I think especially, and and Lauren, I'd like you to tell me what your experience has been because you work with a lot of women with these types of issues. Like I say, I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. And there's a lot of, um, I feel like there's a lot of kind of hopelessness. Like my hormones are messed up and there's not a dang thing I can do about it. And it's just going to be what it is. I'm going to have horrible periods. My pregnancies aren't going to be great and all the things. And yet it's just not true.
2: It's the furthest thing from the truth, and there's so much potential to be unlocked. That's why I, my business is actually called Innate Fertility, because I truly believe that fertility is innate within you. And sure, you may not have figured out how to unleash it totally fully to its full abundance, but that's what I want to do and help you do, is to help you unlock those things and to help you take advantage of the full abundance of fertility that you're your body naturally has. It just hasn't been. You might need the right tools or the right lifestyle shift. And it's not like you need a whole crazy, you know, upheaval of everything. Uh, but little tweaks here and there can make a huge difference, too. And it's about figuring what those things are for you in a way that's sustainable for you and unique to your bio-individuality as well.
1: Yeah, because I, one of the things that I recite to my clients on a regular basis is your hormones aren't your sister's hormones and aren't your mother's hormones or your friend's it is a different picture for everyone. And so, you know, just doing what somebody else did that worked great for them may not work for you, but there is some, you know, there's kind of some trial and error in the first episode that we, I just re-listened to that episode a couple of days ago. And the first episode we did, one of the things that I love that you said, there are two things that I think are really, really powerful uh, that I want to point out at this, at this point of the podcast. One was that you said, um, I found that after not getting the help that I needed from my doctors, I had to take things into my own hands. I had to educate myself and figure out how to do this thing on my own. And I love that just as we started this podcast, you said I was able to heal myself. That's powerful. It's really, really powerful. And it's really, really important. And again, I also think very empowering. But on top of that, you said that you experimented a lot with things. Uh, There was some trial and error. Some stuff worked. Some stuff didn't work. And uh, yet, as you worked with your body and your individual needs, uh, you were able to sort it out.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's all about, you know, I think there's something really empowering about being able to experiment. And I think that in today's society, we aren't really encouraged to do that. So I do love that aspect. But the parts of the thing that you have to realize is that you're a unique person. And like you said, you don't have your sister's hormones. You don't have your, your friend's hormones. So doing exactly what they're doing is probably not going to work for you or, you know, to the fullest, at least you're not going to get the same exact benefits. And what I see a lot of women doing is compiling information, tidbits and pieces from women in their community, but also social media And just trying to follow a mishmash of different things uh, and not really knowing how to listen to themselves and what they need. And so they're following kind of like this amalgamation of information that really doesn't take their body into account. So I think it's also really important to keep that in mind when you are, you know, looking for more information that can be very powerful, but you don't have to absorb every single thing. And it's really important to decipher whether or not it's going to be working for you or not.
1: Right. And there are some things that are relatively universal, right? Cleaning up our diet is
2: mm-hmm. going to help
1: everybody. Uh, avoiding toxins, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, will help everybody. But there's going to be different re- results with those things as well. And so I'm at this point, I'm going to tell you that the next thing we're going to talk about is if you are currently on birth control or have been on birth control and you feel like um, you're you're having side effects or issues associated with it, or you're concerned that coming off of it might may cause problems, things like that, I would suggest that you actually pause this episode right now, go back to episode 289, and get all the backstory on birth control. I think that will flow much better for you. It'll make a lot of sense as we go into this next, next section. And of course, you can listen to them in reverse, whatever works for you. But you may want to go back to that episode. It is linked in the show description and check that out first and then continue with this one. But let me ask that next question then. So for women who are um, experiencing issues with birth control, have experienced issues with birth control, whether it's in the rear rear view mirror or it's currently, they're still using it. Um, what, because we talked about what those problems are on the previous episode, I want to avoid that to some extent, but feel free to touch on things you need to touch on. But let's talk about what can be done to clean up that picture. How do we recover from uh, the potential issues that have been experienced through hormonal manipulation of birth control?
2: Yeah, that's a really loaded question. So (laughs) (laughs) I want to start by just acknowledging that you know, even if you didn't experience birth uh, issues on birth control or coming off birth control, these are areas that you probably want to and are worth taking time to invest into, um, you know, optimizing because the hormonal birth control pill, hormonal contraceptives in general, regardless of their, if, if they're a pill or not, are going to affect your body in very similar ways. And of course, they can manifest in different ways, these issues, uh, you know. Kind of exponentially, uh, but you you know, I would consider taking the time to address these areas, even if you didn't experience issues. Um, Considering though that sixty percent of women take birth control for for you know issues other than contraception is kind of worth acknowledging (laughs) because I think that just points to a larger issue. Uh, and you know, kind of expecting things to become, or, or you know, go back to normal or stay the same. If birth control was helpful for you, in some ways, and sort of suppressing this issue, when you come off of it, you can you can expect that it will come back. Uh, just keep that in mind. So, for example, I started taking hormonal birth control for acne. Uh, I never actually addressed the underlying issues that were happening for my body. To fix the acne, but birth control served as a band-aid. When I came off birth control, that issue was still there because I never addressed the root cause. And so my acne actually came back tenfold. It came back worse than before. And Mm -hmm. so I hope this doesn't discourage you from coming off birth control, but just know kind of like what you're, you know, potentially going to expect. And if you're coming off birth control to get pregnant too, these are things that you're going to have to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, deal with. Uh, so just know that if you did take birth control to suppress an issue, and I say suppress, because that's really what it typically does. It's not really yeah. a cure. It's a, it's kind of a band-aid, a temporary band-aid that can make things seemingly, you know, even like heavy or regular periods. I, and I can go into that, <laughs> but it can make things seem, you know, regular and seem better, but those issues that were causing the issues in the first, those things that were causing the issues in the first place, uh, unless you address them, they're going to probably rear their head once you come off, if they haven't already started to while you're on it. So I think in the context of whether you're experiencing issues with birth control or coming off of them, it now, I think really considering why you started taking it in the first place and 60% of you, are taking it for some reason, PCOS, endometriosis, irregular cycles, heavy periods, you know, you kind of want to think about, okay, do some do some reconnaissance. What in my life was happening to cause this potential issue? Because only then can you really start to figure out how to heal that piece. And there could be new issues that develop too because of all the metabolic changes that birth control causes. So I just want to also acknowledge that, and all of this is called post-birth control syndrome. It's a coin. It's a term coined by Dr. Jolene Brighton, and uh, it's kind of like the black box of coming off birth control. What could potentially happen for various reasons? Um, and again, this is not to scare anyone. This is just to keep you informed because sometimes the truths that we need to know are things that are. Unpleasant. Uh, so I wish somebody had told me that uh, when I was coming off birth control. My doctors certainly didn't warn me about that either. Um, and you know, it was a it was a rude awakening. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. And, so. And- both of us, of course, and especially you now, since you've started, uh, you know, making a career out of uh, educating women on this, we've both experienced that, where we've talked to lots of women who have come off and said, oh, my gosh, things are you know, so much worse, or now I've got this issue that I didn't used to have. I've also talked to a lot of women, I assume you have as well, that the birth control worked great for whatever symptom they were trying to suppress, whether it be acne or, you know, whatever, for a while, and then it didn't anymore. Uh, and things started getting worse, even while they were still on the pill or on some some type of hormonal contraceptive. So these are these are issues, and and I I agree with your point. It's not a matter of, you know, scaring somebody into staying on birth control so this stuff doesn't happen to them because the longer you're on it, the higher potential there would be for issues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the awareness and understanding of it is is incredibly valuable, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with the type of awareness that you teach when it comes to fertility, uh, that if you just understand your body and what's actually going on behind the scenes— and listen to your innate wisdom as to what might be happening in there, you can become your own doctor to some degree uh, in terms of uh, figuring out what's going on and and helping yourself out.
2: Absolutely. Yes, I totally agree with that. And uh, I guess to continue down the path of, you know, really understanding how women can support themselves, I think it's also important to be aware of those issues that could potentially crop up and how it works. Um, So definitely go listen to the last episode that we were on. But I think in regards to the different areas, so so because it affects so many different areas of your health, including fertility, there are many different areas that you would want to consider addressing when coming off of it, or even while on it. Because I think the best time to start supporting these areas is actually while you're on it, if you're considering coming off of it in the future. Uh, So the first thing is egg quality Uh, Birth control can actually affect egg quality. Uh, And, you know, this is measured typically by the fertility uh, markers, AMH, which is anti malarian hormone, and antral follicle count, AFC. Uh, So, both of these can be significantly lower or remarkably lower in women on birth control. Uh, You know, this doesn't necessarily mean it's permanent, Uh, these numbers can improve over time but the timeline is not very clear in the literature. So you might find that your egg quality markers, and you know, they're not definitive AMH and AFC. Uh, so I want to also clarify that. But it's really important to uh, kind of know that you might want to work on optimizing your egg quality because birth control is an oxidative stressor. And so oxidative stress causes uh, a lot of... Uh, Degradation in different health areas, including egg quality. So, I think it's really important to uh, work to improve your egg quality, number one. Uh, And then your endometrial lining will be thinner, uh, especially if you've been taking it for over 10 years or more. Uh, So, your endometrial lining is really important. It's also called your uterine lining. And that is very important, especially if you're trying to conceive. To you're coming off birth control to try to conceive, or with the intention of trying to conceive, because that is what is going to act as the plush house for your uh, fertilized egg uh, once it implants. And if you are suffering from uh, a thin endometrial lining, you know, you may suffer from and it, it may cause an environment that is not ideal for the fertilized egg to implant into. So you may be looking at either chemical pregnancies or recurrent losses, and you really want to have a plush, lush endometrial lining to support implantation and to carry the uh, development and growth of that fertilized egg and embryo uh, throughout pregnancy. Uh, So that can be really important as well. Uh, hmm?
1: Sorry, I was just gonna say, if we can stop there then, uh, because those are two obviously very related issues in terms of fertility and potential fertility issues moving forward. Um, let's, let's talk about things that you uh, have discovered and what the research shows and your personal experience shows in, as to how a woman can help to improve those two issues, the, the quality of the egg and, uh, the, uh, endometrial lining.
2: There's a lot of overlap. So egg quality will be important for creating estrogen. And progesterone as well. Uh, because when I say egg, I actually mean follicles. Uh, and the follicle is basically what contains the egg. And mm-hmm. at ovulation, it, it ruptures and releases the eggs. But it's o- often referred to as egg quality, not follicle quality. So I'm just trying to use a term that is <laughs> pretty well known. But um, the okay. follicle quality will influence uterine lining thickness as well. Uh, so, uh, This is important because in the follicular phase, follicle, as you can kind of see where the terms are kind of overlapping, uh, your uterine lining will grow and get thicker in response to estrogen, which is being produced by the follicle in your follicular phase as it's preparing and maturing and getting ready to be ruptured during ovulation. Uh, So there's a lot of overlap. And what I will talk about too is... There's, there's no way to compartmentalize really anything. And I think it's really important to when you're regardless of whether you're coming off birth control or trying to get pregnant or both, you know, in general fertility, there's tons of overlap and you don't really want to kind of like compartmentalize anything because that's just going to jip you from other <laughs> potential benefits and everything is really connected to. So As you can see, egg quality is very connected to endometrial lining thickness uh, because estrogen helps build that endometrial lining. So if you have poor egg quality, you're going to have poor endometrial lining thickness, a thin uterine lining, because your body is not producing enough estrogen to make it thick enough, if that makes sense. Your body also may not be producing enough progesterone to maintain that thickness, which comes after ovulation. So really to support egg quality, uh, there's generally speaking, you want to increase antioxidant status. That is like the number one (laughs) approach. And, uh, that can, you know, kind of trickle down to many different things, reducing inflammation. Uh, that's another big thing, reducing free radicals, reducing toxin exposure. Um, but also, you know, it can be as simple as eating more fruits and vegetables, rich in antioxidants. I find that a lot of, uh, women, they do get a lot of uh vegetables and fruits, but they don't prepare them properly. So really making sure that you're preparing your foods properly to unlock all the nutrients that these foods can provide. So for example, soaking and sprouting, fermenting, etc. Uh, and also just eating enough protein because that's really important for energy production as well. And just maintaining general health and well-being. Your body needs to create energy to maintain your eggs. And if it can't, it's going to start diminishing the quality of those eggs and you're going to start losing eggs. So, you know, we're born with (laughs) millions of eggs and then uh, don't quote me on that number though, because (laughs) I I know there is an exact number and an average, I just cannot remember it right now, but there is a specific number we're born with. And over time, it drastically declines, you know, depending on who Mm -hmm. you are, where do they go, you know? It's not like you ovulated them all. You don't definitely don't have enough cycles in one lifetime to ovulate them all. They just, you know, once your body cannot maintain them, it, they, they die. So uh, I think it's really important, just like any other cells, and eggs require so much energy to maintain themselves. They're more energy dependent than a skin cell, a heart cell, which is crazy because your heart is a vital organ. Uh, so... Fertility in general yeah. requires a lot of energy production and being able to produce energy. And, you know, I think being able to support energy production, getting enough micro and macronutrients, antioxidants to offset oxidative stress that could potentially cause um, those eggs to be, you know, start to diminish quality and die. And egg quality, too, has a lot to do with chromosomal abnormalities, which are the leading cause of loss. So it's really a good idea. It will, Support your fertility journey in so many different ways, uh, including making enough estrogen, ovulation, progesterone, uh, you know, mitigating uh, as many birth defects as possible, etc. Um, and then the endometrial lining aspect, you know, I think approaching it from an egg quality perspective and a hormone um sufficiency perspective, because when you do come off birth control, your hormones can tend to be kind of wonky. You are in an estrogen dominant state, but you probably aren't producing uh, a ton of estrogen at at the outset. And your progesterone, you're going to have ovulation issues. It's been shown in the literature, short luteal phases, uh, long cycles. Uh, So you're know you not ovulating, which is how you produce progesterone, or you're not ovulating well. And um, that's really what will help Maintain the endometrial lining after your eggs uh, have continued to really uh, build that lining in the first half of the cycle. Uh, so I would say increasing things, increasing blood flow, doing things like exercise, making sure you're breathing properly. You know, we we go throughout the day having shallow breaths, almost kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> panting, and I think. A lot of people don't have a self-awareness around this. We breathe through our mouths. This all can really slow down <laughs> our ability to um, you know, circulate blood properly to all the areas. And also if we're stuck in a chronically stressed state, our is not going to push blood to our reproductive organs. It's going to push blood and focus blood flow around the most critical organs, like the heart and the lungs, to keep us alive. So there are so many different facets and factors. Um, it's definitely sort of like uh, there's so many ways to approach it, depending on how you live your life and what the areas of opportunity are. But Those are kind of like the general goals that I will look for and and sort of areas that I will look for in a person uh, and and how to optimize those areas if they are struggling with these two different things.
1: Okay. So then to recap that, we've got antioxidants, which of course we know are vital for you know million different reasons uh in health generally but because of the impact of uh, the hormone uh, shifts that happen with birth control um we end up with a high level of oxidative stress that's correct Mm -hmm. and then and and that means a higher need for antioxidants and of course Mm -hmm. there are a lot of ways to get antioxidants food is the best medicine if you're willing to use food in that way and there's a lot that we could talk about there but we won't have time Uh, but also there are some fantastic supplemental antioxidants that you can use as well anything that's going to help to reduce the oxidative stress protect the cells and then you also mentioned stress itself uh, briefly and breathing and exercise. And of course, we know that exercise and breath work are both fantastic to calm the fight or flight response, bring us back into a state of rest and digest. So if we're focusing and and this is one of the things, Lauren, that I think is interesting and I don't want to get into IVF and all that here, but <laughs> I've talked to a lot of women who really are struggling, who are they're considering IVF, doing IVF, that kind of thing. And one of the things that I always see in their eyes is a high level of stress, like they're really stressed out that this isn't going to work. It hasn't worked in the past. It's maybe not going to work in the future. And I think, you know, that's like symptom one that they should actually be addressing uh, way above fertility is getting on top of the stress response uh, so that their body can actually do what it's designed to do. And stress hasn't shut down so many of those systems that help that work. Let me ask you another quick question. What about nitric oxide? Do you know anything about the benefits of nitric oxide when it comes to uh, the the uh, endometrial lining, uh, the quality of eggs because of the blood flow benefit there? I'm curious if you've read anything about that.
2: Not specifically supplementing it. Uh, or okay. you know, uh, There are certain supplements that you can uh, implement that will help blood flow increase nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That that you know, anything that increases nitric oxide I would say would probably be a really great um uh, support. So like even beet powder, uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that or eating more beets would be excellent. Uh, in addition to though, I feel like, you know, I nutrition isn't the only thing that is important here, especially if you're struggling with fertility. And I think a lot of women get that wrong. So they miss other opportunities like the stress component that you were saying. They're like, but I'm eating all the right things. I'm taking all the supplements, but this is not, you know, I I can't seem to uh, get pregnant or, or I failed the cycle again. It's, you know, looking beyond. So while, you know, those supplements are definitely very helpful, just also remember that, you need to evaluate your own uh, and take inventory of your own sort of like environment.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, but, lifestyle, activity yes. levels, all that, right? But and of course, one of the great, great, great ways to boost nitric oxide is exercise, like you already talked about. So, all right. So then we've addressed that, I think as much as we, as we have time for, you were, you were working down the list of some of the other issues that uh, women could potentially deal with, with birth control, coming off of birth control. What are some of the other ones that can be addressed and, and how do we address them?
2: Yeah. So uh, I would just like to share to you that you may experience cycle issues uh, and, women that have used oral contraceptives specifically in the literature, but also in my practice, I've witnessed this with any kind of hormonal contraceptive is they'll experience, uh, almost a year of, of, uh, shorter luteal phases. And if you're not familiar with the female cycle, you have your follicular phase, which includes menstruation, and you have your ovulation and then your luteal phase. And so the first, the first half of the cycle is preparing to ovulate And then the second half of the cycle is preparing for pregnancy. Uh, And so basically you need progesterone and and that is produced primarily. It's produced by other glands in the body at a very small dose, but to produce enough progesterone to sustain a pregnancy, you need to ovulate and you need to ovulate well and healthily. Uh, so, and then what I mean by that is produce enough progesterone because you can ovulate and produce progesterone, but sometimes it's not enough. Uh, so women who usually come off of birth control will have shorter luteal phases, and that means they're producing less progesterone than ideal. Um, and so that could happen for up to a year. And typically they'll have uh, longer cycles as well. Uh, so that could mean an ovulation because longer cycles typically I see in my practice are an ovulatory cycle, So there's actually no ovulation occurring, but they get their period, which can also happen. Uh, so just because you have your period doesn't mean you're ovulating or producing progesterone. And Jared, I want to, you know, feel free to also stop me <laughs> at any point if this is getting too uh, technical, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's really important to know that you can still get your period and not ovulate. And what you need is an ovulatory period, not an anovulatory period to produce progesterone. And I think some women are still shocked by this, you know, information because they're like, oh, I, I get my period every month. And they're not tracking anything else, though. And right. uh, they don't actually know if they're ovulating. And this happened to me when I was coming off birth control. I, um, not only did I experience two week menstruations, uh, so I had my period for two weeks, but I wasn't ovulating and producing progesterone for a year and a half. And I wouldn't have known that hadn't I been tracking my cycle using the fertility awareness method. Uh, So, you know, I think that that is really important to know, especially if you're trying to get pregnant because progesterone is the progestational hormone, it's going to help Sustain that implanted uh, fertilized egg, and it's going to sustain you in terms of progesterone levels into that first trimester. Uh, so, you know, if you can't produce enough progesterone into your first trimester while your placenta is being formed until it takes over, that's when a lot of losses can occur. That's when a lot of morning sickness can occur. So, I think that's really important to know. And so, Go go ahead. (laughs) Well, let
1: let me say this then, because this is a thing that I I think you're, I'm guessing, I don't know, it'll be interesting to get the feedback after people hear this episode, that there are a lot of women that are pretty unfamiliar with a lot of what you just said. My experience has been, and, and as a guy who, you know, has never had a period, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> and, but has worked with a lot of women who've uh, you know dealt with irregular cycles and, and irregular periods and painful periods and all this kind of stuff. I think what I typically hear is that I have a monthly cycle, it's called a period, and that's about what I understand about it. Do you experience that a lot?
2: Yes. And like there's just
1: a, a, a lack of education, right?
2: There is, and it starts, you know, there's a whole societal component to that. But um, yeah. what I encounter is women are, you know, they they track their cycle, but they think they're tracking their cycle. I, I encounter women that think they're tracking their cycle because yes, they get a period. And then what they end up doing when they want to get pregnant is they use the over-the-counter uh, uh, ovulation predictor kits, uh, which mm-hmm. are not accurate. Uh, and I've worked with enough women where I've seen so many broken hearts because they're not using it correctly, they're missing opportunities to conceive. These things are helpful as part of your cycle tracking efforts, but they should not be the only thing that you're using. Uh, so.
1: so then for a woman who is, um, who this is kind of news to them, they haven't looked into it, they're not quite clear on what the luteal phase is, you know, these types of things, What what's a resource that they can use to really understand this in more depth, because uh, we talked about this on the first episode, my experience with far beyond women's hormones, but generally in just health as it as it is in this country, because it is very much a societal issue for a variety of reasons. We tend to have just sort of handed off our health to somebody who's got a medical degree and said, "You take care of this part, and I'll worry about my life. Uh, you worry about my health." and Obviously, people listening to this episode uh, or this podcast, listening to shows like yours, um, following uh, people like you on Instagram, are a little more aware, maybe a lot more aware uh, for sure. But I know there are a lot of people listening right now that don't have a good feel for all of this. So what's a resource um, that that you can help people with that want to dig a little deeper into this and really understanding what the cycle is, how it works, what the phases are, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, for anyone overwhelmed by what I'm sharing, I think it's this is kind of what in my my point of view, from my point of view, I think this is what we should have been taught in school. I think this is what what every parent should be teaching their daughter. So that said, I know that that is not the case. And you are not alone if you are completely confused at what I was just sharing, because I myself didn't know it at at one point and I didn't know it until my mid 20s. So. That, that is shocking. And what's beautiful about this, though, is that having awareness around your cycle, being able to track your cycle with fertility awareness, which is a method that has several different sub-methods. So you can find a method that works for you, uh, but you can use it to get pregnant and you can use it as a contraceptive as well. And it's non-hormonal. It's just using the signs that your body gives you to be able to track the different phases of your cycle, understand when you're ovulating understand when your period's coming so that you can either protect or not protect if you choose to. And so it's, it's, I want to make sure that, you know, you know, that this, what I'm sharing is not just for the nerds. Uh, it's, it's actually, (laughs) uh, it's actually a very, uh, it's a family planning method. Uh, so, and it's legit, very legitimate. There's organizations around it and, um, there's a lot of literature around it too, to support the effectiveness. So, and, you know, a lot of them are just as effective as hormonal contraceptives or more effective. So I think that that is, if you're looking for a non-hormonal way, you're like, I want to get off birth control. It makes me feel terrible, but, you know, I don't know what else to use. Like there's nothing else that I can possibly use. There is something you can use and it's called fertility awareness. Um, So, I actually created a resource for women to get back in touch with their cycle, and to start learning about the different phases of their cycle. It's free. It's called the Cycle Literacy Guide, and it's free on my website. I'm happy to give you the link for that. Um, and it just teaches you about the different phases of your cycle and how to support them with nutrition and movement, how long they are, what to expect, what's happening, and how to build awareness with a calendar so you can start really familiarizing yourself With your individual patterns, because again, your cycle is going to be different from your friends, you know? So I have that. And then if you did want to learn how to implement fertility awareness, I also have a masterclass on that uh, that teaches you everything you need to know from, you know, using it as birth control to postpartum cycles, what to expect and how to implement it there. Uh, to irregular cycles, uh, to what happens after loss, uh, you know, those kinds of different situations as well. Uh, they can all be very applicable. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, these resources I'm happy to share.
1: Excellent. Well, we'll have all the all the links you can provide then for us in the show description. I do believe that the single biggest deficiency in all of this when it comes to women's health is just um, ignorance about how it all works. And and it's and it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the woman's fault, because like you said, it's kind of systemic, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really taught. Uh, it almost seems like a taboo subject. Um, it's not something that you want to talk to a man about, for instance, you know, there's a whole bunch of things like that. And yet, shouldn't this just be something that we can talk about? Because A, it's incredibly important. B, it's, natural, and it is a big part of this. I joke a lot with my female clients, not as much now because I'm an old man, but, but, you know, I started working at my store when I was seven, and I started working with women uh, that were looking for stuff for PMS, for instance, when I was like 14 years old, and it's a pretty awkward conversation for a 14-year-old to talk to a 30-year-old woman about their menstrual cycle, but I got used to it pretty quickly, and it was more of an issue for the customer at that point than it was for me but i've i've joked that hey look i've been talking about you know vaginal dryness and heavy periods since i was 14 this is not a taboo topic it's not an embarrassing topic unless you decide it is embarrassing it's just something that needs to be understood and educated on and ought to be an open topic of conversation because it is such an incredibly useful set of information and knowledge that every woman should know and understand. And so those resources I think are as good as gold and I'm, I'm very happy that you're you know willing to share them with my listeners.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. and you know there's no better time to start. it's never too late so I think absolutely you know, yeah if you're <laughs> if you're like uh, I'm you know no it's 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 a great time uh, and you're not too late so.
1: Okay. So we've talked about antioxidants. We've talked about movement and exercise. We've talked about, um, you know, obviously understanding the cycle and the phases of the cycle and all of this. Um, what are some other really just key things that you think women need to know that maybe they're missing in terms of improving the health of that cycle and making it as um, as normal and healthy as it can be?
2: Well, coming off birth control or on birth control uh, specifically, uh, you know, I think it's important to know that because it's a medication, your liver will require many different nutrients and antioxidants and compounds to detoxify it. And so I think replenishment is a big piece here. And that will also help play into the liver detoxification aspect because your liver can't function optimally if it doesn't have the nutrients that it needs. I don't know if you know when when people think about the liver they think about it as a filter but actually it's a battery pack of nutrients and it is that's why you know any animal that you consume their liver that's why it's called nature's multivitamin because it contains so many nutrients in yeah. one organ to help detoxification and these compounds that they're detoxifying don't stay in the liver for very long they're you know kind of like You pull the uh, nutrients that they need, you know, and there's different phases of liver detoxification. I will not get into that, but, um, you know, they, they leave the liver quickly if they have what they need. So I think it's really important to replenish and the birth control pill does, uh, deplete a lot of the same nutrients that the liver is required to function optimally, but also for fertility and building a healthy baby. And these are including vitamin A, uh, vitamin e vitamin c so these are all antioxidants as well a lot of these Mm -hmm. uh folate which you know if anyone is thinking about getting pregnant they are maniacal about getting their folate in so really replenishing folate uh b vitamins like one b1 b2 b6 uh, which is also really important for mediating estrogen dominance Uh, b12 then you have minerals like zinc selenium magnesium uh, CoQ10, which is a huge antioxidant in the body. Uh, so, you know, we have all these things that are by default because of the medication requiring so much n- nutrition to get detoxified. Uh, we end up being deficient in some of these. And um, for example, B6, uh, if you are taking birth control, your B6 needs increase as much as 4,000%. But I highly doubt that. You have been making a concerted effort to get four thousand percent more B six, if you're taking B six birth control. So, I think this is also really important. So it 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 will help support the liver to get back online and detoxify. And you know, perhaps your liver has been fine, and you know, depending on your nutrient status and your diet. But typically, there will be a lot of replenishment required, and there will be sort of a sluggish liver as a result of it being so deficient in a lot of these nutrients and continually bombarded with medications on a regular basis, in addition to everything else that it's been trying to detoxify as well, uh, like environmental toxins and things like that. Uh, So I think that that is really important because the liver plays a huge role in hormone balance, Typically, when we come off birth control, we are estrogen dominant. And that is for many reasons. Uh, You know, we have a societal problem with estrogen dominance already, uh, where we are exposed to so many xenoestrogens on a daily basis in our water, in our food, our clothing, the air we breathe, uh, the products that we use, uh, plastics, uh, fluoridated products. Uh, things like that. Those are all xenoestrogens. And so our estrogen load is high to begin with. Uh, But when you're on birth control, your ovulation is typically suppressed unless you're using some type of birth control that allows you to continue to ovulate. Uh, But typically your ovulation is suppressed. And so you're not producing that natural progesterone that your body needs to balance estrogen. And I say that specifically because it's all about balance. It's not about what's my estrogen level and what's my progesterone level. You can't look at them isolated. They are really important to look at together because they help regulate each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is important too. And so the liver portion of it is going to help the body detoxify estrogen uh, properly and get it back into balance as you start to build a uh, progesterone again, as your ovulation comes online, uh, and as your body begins, uh, ovulating and producing that progesterone in the luteal phase. Again, you may be in, in sort of an estrogen dominant state for a little while, uh, but supporting the liver and allowing it to detoxify properly is a big piece of helping maintain this balance and get things back into balance <laughs> a lot faster. Uh, Gut health is very important for this as well. Uh, So we have something called the estrobilome, which helps really regulate the estrogen levels in our body. And this is both positive and negative. So if things are out of balance, we can have estrogen reactivating in our bodies. Uh, We can have a lot of uh, estrogen dominant symptoms because of that as well. Uh, We also have um, things like endotoxin, so birth control can act like a, an antibiotic, but it also can lead to more uh, leakiness of the gut, so perforation of the, the gut. And uh, that's problematic because it can create not only immune issues, and there are a lot of gut-related immune autoimmune issues that can be connected to birth control use, but it also creates an environment uh, for reactivation of estrogen, for... Uh, aromatization of estrogen too. So instead of, you know, allowing your body to make testosterone and just let it be, your body can convert testosterone back into estrogen to, you know, increase your estrogen load. Uh, So there's a lot of different metabolic things happening in the gut that can also affect your estrogen levels and hormone balance. Because typically when women come off birth control, they're looking to balance their hormones again. Uh, And also, you know, trying to conceive they're looking for optimal hormone balance uh so these are all things that are very important regardless of you know coming off birth control or not too uh so gut health is super important as well not only for that reason but to assimilate all the nutrients that you're consuming as well right so uh i don't know if you want to me to stop there but i can sort of lead into the next connection
1: (laughs) Uh, sure. Yeah. Let let me, let me uh, insert something really quickly. So there are a couple of things that there there are always these foundational things that we always have to recognize. And if you're a man listening to this and you're thinking, "Wow, this doesn't apply to me at all," um, it, everything she just said, applies to you as well in terms of hormone balance. You still need a liver to work like it should. If you're concerned with your testosterone levels, for instance, if a woman's concerned with her progesterone levels or testosterone or estrogen, if the liver's not functioning like it should, then you're going to struggle in that area to optimize those things. And these are foundational things. If the gut doesn't work, frankly, nothing in the body op- is optimized and is going to work as efficiently as it can. So you always need to ask yourself those questions, too, I think. You know, what. what is my gut health picture look like? What does that look like? Uh, what is, you know, what level of antibiotics have I been on throughout my life? Uh, what other drugs have I been on or foods have I been eating? You know, things that are, have, are loaded with glyphosate that may have been creating issues uh, for me. And uh, address those things, because even if you're looking at your cycle, and I think this is a real problem that has been largely created by the way that medicine treats disease in this country, and that is that it treats the symptoms down as opposed to the root cause up, right? And so if you're saying, hey, my hormones are out of whack, I'm going to address my hormones, but your gut is also out of whack and you're not addressing that, or your liver's also out of whack and you're not addressing that, you're missing the mark by shooting straight to hormones without looking at the underlying things that could actually be root cause for that. So I just want to point that out. So yeah, move on to the next portion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And it goes back to even just like considering supplementation, just like make sure that you can take that eagle eye view and make sure that you're not pigeonholing your progress by just trying to slap a supplement on it uh, and not missing these other big areas that you could be, you know, optimizing. So uh, gut health, again, really important. And it also helps us digest the nutrients that you need for thyroid function, which is very important for uh, a healthy menstrual cycle. And uh, I think I want to go back to the gut health piece just one second. It is not uncommon to have cycle issues and gut issues at the same time, it is actually quite overlooked uh, as you know, gut issues being a driver of cycle issues. Uh, so, I want to keep that in mind. And I my, myself developed candida while on birth control, so that was really fun to deal with. And that's fungal overgrowth. My tongue mm-hmm. was white, it was really, really not fun to deal with. Um, so, going back to the thyroid, uh, you need gut health to digest all the nutrients that allow you to assimilate uh, to assimilate all the nutrients that are important for thyroid function and your gut is where partially uh, part of your thyroid hormones get converted so about 20% of your thyroid hormones get converted in your gut as well. Uh, so I think that's really important. Gut health plays into thyroid health and thyroid health plays into gut health because thyroid health also helps motility. You know, how quickly you can digest food. Um, if you have constipation, you know, that could be a thyroid issue. Uh, if you're not digesting your food all the way, you know, there's pieces of food in there that could also be a thyroid issue. Uh, it's all connected again. And uh, going back to thyroid too, um, it's very common in the literature too. It's it's a very common connection to associate uh, cycle issues with thyroid issues as well. So mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for women with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's to have severe cycle issues, uh, you know, regular cycles, long periods and ovulatory cycles. So all of these things, again, are really connected. Uh, the thyroid is required for ovulation as well. So, you know, just considering the really important uh, aspect of creating progesterone when it comes to your cycle and, you know, for fertility and also just general female well-being, uh, your thyroid is a big part of creating progesterone, uh, that really happy hormone. Uh, So there's that. Um, I think also looking at stress, uh, you know, I think uh, as we discussed earlier, birth control increases oxidative stress, uh, so that those are free radicals that, you know, you might be more familiar with hearing that that kind of like terminology, if you've ever done an anti-aging, if Jared's done an anti-aging podcast, I'm sure that the, that terminology is thrown around. Oxidative mm-hmm. stress leads to aging, uh, free radicals lead to aging and, you know, DNA damage and all that stuff. Um, so, and also inflammation. Um, there's a lot of uh, stress hormone dysregulation caused as a result of birth control, so really figuring out, not just from addressing gut and thyroid and, you know, these nutrients, which will also play into each other and help you address stress and be able to better cope with stress. But what are your stressors? You know, everyone has different triggers. Everyone has a different sort of uh, demand and supply. Uh, Everyone has a different environment that they live in. Uh, So are your stressors, you know, your job? Uh, Are you having in a toxic relationship with your partner? Is there familial uh, dysregulation? Uh, And, you know, it's not about avoiding stress. We're always going to have stress. And so I think it's just really understanding what your stressors are, how you're reacting Mm -hmm. to them, and really putting together in place a plan for stress mitigation. And that could be as simple as, you know, creating boundaries, saying no more often, or also just regulating your nervous system through other means like breathing exercises, grounding outside, getting more into nature. These are all different things. And again, it's really unique to you and what works for you too and what you're experiencing. So I think that that is really important. Um, I think blood sugar regulation is also really important. Uh, the birth control pill will uh, decrease glucose tolerance uh, and for me i developed prediabetes on the birth control pill so that is just a, another thing i had to deal with uh, in addition to mm-hmm. hypothyroidism so i had a you know the gamut of uh <laughs> metabolic issues on birth control uh, but you know i think that uh, and and there is some literature to suggest that birth control users especially if they're early on uh, are more at a, a risk for developing diabetes so i think that It's really important to get your blood sugar under control. Helping with stress will do that. Helping with the nutrient replenishment in your liver will do that. Helping with your gut health will do that. Uh, But again, you know, also you can consider just looking at how you're eating throughout the day um, you know, are you balancing your meals or are you having carbohydrates alone? It's called naked carbohydrates. Some people refer that, uh, mm-hmm. refer carb to that as naked carbohydrates, uh, or are you having naked proteins? Because that can also cause blood sugar dysregulation if you're just having protein alone. So really making sure you're having balanced meals and snacks and eating enough and frequently enough, uh, whatever, you know, that means for you, because everyone's a little bit different when it comes to this, but I think balancing your blood sugar is really, really important for reducing stress, for supporting thyroid function, for supporting progesterone utilization, for supporting uh, you know, gut health as well, because both can affect each other. So I think that's really important. And um, yeah, I think those are kind of like the different areas I would hit and focus on, uh, especially if you're on birth control or considering coming off of it or are struggling while you're off of it right
1: now. Right. Okay, so we have run up against our deadline. We're actually a little bit over, uh, so we're going to need to wrap this up. Uh, Lauren and I talked prior to recording, and we do want to do a show on fertility specifically, uh, which, of course, all of the information you've just heard plays a role in that as well. Um, but we'll go into a little bit more detail and uh, try and answer some more of your questions. Uh, to wrap this up uh, and and try and uh, give you a little bit more information, um, I don't know simplified, I guess uh, instruction uh, in terms of what's just been said because I think this information is is super valuable. I love what you said, Lauren, about the eagle eye view. You know, like take a step back, look down. Upon yourself and your world, and kind of see what all the inputs are. What does your diet look like? What other types of symptoms do you have? If you're dealing with female hormone issues with your cycle, uh, for whatever reason or whatever those issues might be, are you also dealing with gut issues? Are you also dealing with blood sugar issues? Are you also dealing with thyroid issues? Because all of this stuff, the body doesn't have any independently working parts everything is connected to everything else and nothing functions as well as it otherwise could if there are broken parts in there right it's not entirely different from a car you know you can pull one part of an engine out and the whole engine doesn't work and so it's important to understand that and take that bird's eye view and see what's going on in there and address some of these things, one thing at a time, knowing that these incremental steps uh, like Lauren mentioned at the beginning, little things can make a really big improvement. And one incremental step of working on your breath, one incremental step of improving your diet through, uh, you know, watching uh, the chemical toxins that you might be consuming, getting, uh, engaging in better sleep uh practices you know getting enough sleep so that your oxidative stress drops because of the repair and maintenance that happens while we naturally sleep All of these little things can end up in really, really big improvements. And I want to say that specifically because the word overwhelm has been used in this show, and it is a very potentially overwhelming thing to feel like, well, okay, so now I just heard these two people talk about all the things that can go wrong and all the areas that I need to look at. Start with something that you know you can handle now, work towards the next thing, and continue to make these improvements. And some of those can be supplemental, some of those can be dietary, some of those can be lifestyle. All of those have really potentially great value, Um, but none of them on their own are the answer and so working through it working towards a healthier happier you and a better hormonal picture is um, it's a process and it absolutely does happen can happen did happen uh, for uh, Lauren uh, in her in her uh, journey as well we're gonna link to all of those things that she shared with us uh, in the show description Um, take advantage of that free tool that you've got there remind me what it's called lauren
2: cycle literacy guide
1: yeah the cycle literacy guide i think that is incredible i'm going to take a look at that as soon as we're as soon as we're done recording i think that's awesome take advantage of that uh look into uh the course uh, that's available so you can really really get on top of it once you have the education it, then it's about implementation, and again, you can start small and work your way up. But uh, we do need to cut uh, this thing off here. I'm going to have to do some edits after the fact to make sure we can fit it into the time allotted. I hope it's been helpful for you. Uh, we'll get as much of this information out to you as we continue to move forward. I've actually got a couple of really fantastic guests coming up that are also going to be talking about uh, women's health issues. And I think that you'll find that uh, as you pair these uh, these uh, messages together and this information, information together, you're going to be a much more empowered uh, woman when it comes to taking care of your health. Any parting words, Lauren?
2: Yeah, I think uh, just start small, you know, just make one little change every week or every other week. And it could be something that you're the most attracted to. So if, you know, grounding was like, oh, that sounds great to me, just try to incorporate that. And until it becomes a habit, then incorporate the next thing. And maybe that's eating liver more often because like supports like. So, uh, you know, something like that. But don't, uh, don't feel like you have to boil the ocean uh, all at once.
1: Sounds good. Couldn't agree with that more. Lauren, thank you so much. Again, we'll have links for all of her information and her podcast and everything in the show description. So if you want to follow up with her, that'll all be there for you. Uh, In the meantime, if you have questions, call us at Vitality, 801-292-6662, or jump online, vitalitynutrition.com, and we can help you answer questions there as well. Lauren, thanks for joining me on Vitality Radio.
2: Thanks for having me, Jared. It was a pleasure.
1: I appreciate it very very much i look forward to working with you again soon and for you listening thank you uh for uh, giving me a reason to do this show uh your listening ears and uh the feedback that i get uh saying that this has helped to support your health journey is all i need i appreciate it so very very much thanks for listening to me i'm jared st Clair, and this has been vitality radio
0: Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.